This is Human V Robot, a podcast about the intersection of humanity and technology. Welcome to Human V Robot. I'm Andy Vanny, and I'm here with my sister Heather. Heather, how are you doing? Doing good. Doing good. Good. Uh, it's good to be back. Uh, yeah. We just got some snow this uh, first snow of the year today here. So, but uh, I'm hoping the weather doesn't. We're not fully socked into winter, but yeah, it's it's feeling like feeling like winter is finally here. Yeah, um, it is beautiful in Saskatchewan. I have to say, for once, because the tables will turn. I know they, <laughs> they will. will. So yeah. just like I'm just putting it out there in the world right now that at this time of the year in Saskatchewan, it's beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Uh-huh. Um, cool. Uh, so as far as updates go, you had a uh, you had a poem or something. Yeah. Okay. So uh, it's probably a weird opening, um, but I feel like what's more human than writing poetry? I, right. I guess. Right. Okay. Yeah, so maybe yeah. there's next another topic is going to be like robots write poetry, but will they enjoy it? <laughs> um, right. Okay. So I re- I felt like last week I was kind of like. I was a little okay to be clear I was a little bit sick with a cold so I was like my head was very cloudy that week so I was kind of in a weird space but then I read this thing that uh, Rupi Kaur wrote Uh, she's a Canadian poet and I was like ah that was like what I meant if you know what I mean like it it was the sort of like the, the the translation of what I was thinking like I meant to say about productivity anxiety so I just wanted to read this so productivity anxiety I have this productivity anxiety that everyone else is working harder than me and I'm going to be left behind because I'm not working fast enough or long enough and I'm wasting my time. I don't sit down to have breakfast. I take it to go. I only call my mother when I'm free, otherwise it takes too long to have a conversation. I put off everything that won't bring me closer to my dreams as if the things I'm putting off are not the dreams themselves. Isn't the dream that I have the mother to call and a table to eat breakfast at? Instead, I'm lost in the sick need to optimize every hour of my day, so I'm improving in some way, making money in some way, advancing a career in some way, because that's what it takes to be successful, right? I excavate my life, package it up, sell it to the world, and when they ask me for more, I dig through the bones trying to write poems. Capitalism got inside my head and make me think my only value is how much I can produce for people to consume. Capitalism got inside my head and made me think I'm of worth as long as I'm working. I learned impatience from it. I learned doubt from it. I learned to plant seeds in the ground and expect flowers to grow the next day. But magic doesn't work like that. Magic doesn't happen because I figured out how to pack more in a day. Magic moves by the laws of of nature and nature has its own clock. Magic happens when we play, when we escape, when we daydream and imagine. Now that's where everything with the power to actually fulfill us is waiting on its knees for us. I like it. I mean, I, it was a little long. Sorry, I, I should have told you it was like no. Three, I especially uh, three Instagram I, I, swipes. I was like mentally bookmarking the one line: uh, "Dig through the bones and try to write or write to poems." Write, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's a great line. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that was kind of what I meant to say: is that there's nothing wrong with trying to optimize your time, but to consider yeah. time optimization as a life well lived is not a calculation that I think is worth making. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 I totally agree. Uh, yeah, and that, that sums it up really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure where the robots come in here. Um, but <laughs> I fine, think that yeah. there's a layer here of optimization because that's when we're talking about technology. It's trying to save us time, optimize our time, make things work faster. And that's yeah. fine as long as that leaves you space and time to do and pursue the things that make you feel 
like the magic. That's what I liked when she switched to magic because it kind of reminds you of nature and like how slow nature is and how kind of pointless things are, I guess. It's just, it just is, you know, it has no agenda. So. Yeah. And I, so the thing that strikes me out of that is like how interconnected a lot of these topics are and like, so like the productivity thing is tied to like technology, robots, all these things in our lives are tied to this productivity and producing more. And, and so they haven't been programmed or designed to like, to optimize in the other ways that we try to optimize our life. I I guess maybe in games you get more, like you get AIs that are playing with you, sort of. (laughs) Like Like there's some of that. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. and and just like fun and exploration and just being. Mm. Um, A lot of times, like I think we maybe can get distracted by work robots or work AI that's trying to make us more productive and you know they're I I think yeah it's all connected Um, I don't know where I'm going with that but that yeah that's fine that's That's all I have it is connected yeah Yeah. I think so too just also hey maybe if uh, anyone's out there thinking about tech startup they can make like uh, somebody should think about making things that just make our lives more easygoing and enjoyable and fun and just like something that focuses on just experience of being yeah um, instead of the doing because that's where a lot of stuff seems to be happening right now and maybe I'm just having a limited view of this but that's what I see yeah yeah my uh, my daughter has this app and I'm totally gonna forget the name of it but it's basically like a um it's like a I think I think they did it in school like it was like a school project to set this up and start this account but it's basically like um mental health like well-being check-in sort of thing where it's Mm. like write down things you're grateful for things that you're you know like it's like a prompted journal I guess something like that and like those I think we are seeing bits of that coming up like things that are thinking about you know tech that can uh encourage us to be more human you know not just be like obsessive producers or consumers and stuff like that uh, yeah which is great i think yeah i um i want to be clear that i have one of those apps and i have um never used it uh so like it prompts me most days and i ignore it okay Uh, (laughs) and that's fine (laughs) so the the take there is that i want to make my life better but I don't make the active decisions to actually do it. Um, so, hey, maybe check back with me next week and do you like, right. did, you, did you use the app or a different one? It's not about the app, just about the, well, the journaling. I, the I mean, so, sometimes that's, it's just another thing to get done, which is not helpful either, right? Like if it's, if it's something that's not enjoyable or not adding, you know, or maybe it's just, you know, being too busy um you know or or not it's about choices yeah Yeah. choices yes yes so i just scroll instagram instead of writing in my little journal thing Mm, Hmm. anyway what are your what are your updates for this week (laughs) so i have a couple um uh i put them out of order okay uh court so 
I think I mentioned a few episodes back, Cortex had talked about AI art generators and stuff like yeah. that, and they were yeah. freaking out a little bit. Well, <laughs> so they, they release a podcast every month or so, like they're, they're on a slower schedule than we are. And so the, this latest one that came out, they went basically... Both of them are completely freaking out about AI art, <laughs> AI art generators and stuff. And it's like uh, all of the uncertainty almost turned into panic, I, I feel like. And okay. some of it definitely justified and some really good points, I think. But also, uh, I, I feel like this comes up in a few different ways, but I feel like the first time... The first time you encounter something or like your first impression is often not very good because it's not like uh, not real well considered sometimes. And in this case, like one thing I thought is they had mentioned like uh, chess playing robots. It's like, oh, you know, uh, like that was one of these milestone sort of when when ai got better at humans than chess it's right. like uh but the thing i thought like that when they Deep didn't bring Blue up beat gary kasparov yeah. <laughs> the thing i thought that they didn't bring up is like well like when when that day came did humans just stop playing chess they no did not. like they no. did not because it's not like that's it's just because a robot or a, an AI can do this thing doesn't mean we should stop. Where where it gets dicey is where that's your livelihood, right? Like if that's sure. if it's directly doing your job, then yeah, it's a different thing. Obviously, you'll stop doing it if if it can be done more efficiently. But um, but people like what is the appetite for? I have no concept of what people enjoy watching chess. Um, but like people play chess now and compete with each other, uh, they still yeah. do that. Um, I don't know to what extent people are playing against robots, or if that's exciting or interesting to watch. Yeah. Um, anyway. Well, like my thinking on it is, it's not interesting to watch as a challenge, but it's like something you might integrate. Like, say you're practicing chess, you might, you know, you you can't find. And a worthy opponent to practice against all the time. So maybe you'll use an AI to, to practice yeah. your skills against, or, right? Or you could use the AI to train a certain style of a certain person um, because it can come right. up with its own sort of iterations given the... So if you gave it some machine learning task where it was like, okay, this is how this person plays. And this yeah. is sort of like typical... So they could come up with a really sophisticated... Um, yeah. Model and so they're playing plays that you haven't seen before, but would be characteristic of that other person, right? So yes, yeah, that that's definitely a good use case. Um, yeah. So the 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 reason they used make marionettes of us all as in the title is because mm. one of the examples they brought up was this AI that basically generated a podcast. It it generated. Uh, Joe Rogan interviewing Steve Jobs and very believable <laughs> um, yeah. and and like I think that's a valid thing to bring up like I'm not as scared about it but but it is worth bringing up just so people are aware like when you're consuming something when you're when you encounter things like these deep fakes exist 
in oh, yeah. photos. Like we've been able to do it with Photoshop for a long time, but um, I think they're getting much easier to do. And so you have to like approach the things you consume with more, um, just be more careful about like, make sure like they say there was somebody had suggested like always make sure that what you're reading is produced by a human, which seems mm. ridiculous like five, oh, 10 yeah. years ago, but now it's definitely good, good advice, you know? If you want to listen to something uh, created by a human, just be aware that yeah. what you're hearing might not be created by a human. Yeah, I was listening to a podcast this week uh, and they had a part where that's like, okay, here's the the audio, like a piece of piano, and here's where the AI takes over. In right. Indistinguishable. Same with some a couple audio clips. Indistinguishable from where the, the person stops and the audio sort of took over. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, the, it's it's definitely like this is very like th this is done currently being yeah. done. I guess I, I had a laugh actually. This is kind of a joke when we first started this podcast. Is I was like, we should just like have a season or like a year's worth of podcast, and then be yeah. like, haha, just kidding. One of us is a robot. Like, guess which one? <laughs> yes, guess which <laughs> right? one? Guess yeah. which one? Like, who do you think it is? Uh, or like during the podcast, like uh, there was a moment, a day in time where one of us switched to being a robot. Um, right. Guess when? Uh, so anyway, <laughs> I, I I don't think I'll do that. We're humans. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. Um, but, but like the point they brought up, I think is fair. Like by using, by using human, like all of human product creativity as training data, is that like, like it doesn't, uh, like our current, uh, laws about, you know, like fair use stuff like that. Like it's not, it's not creating a, duplicate so it's not actually um it's not actually crossing any copyright law or like violating any copyright laws but it mm -hmm. does like that do i have the legal a, right to my yeah, voice yeah, to, to your voice or you know like yeah. it just seems like people are like doing that without thinking should should we be doing that like is that Okay, if there's yeah. a theme to this whole podcast, that is it. Yeah. Is the, the should, we, people are doing it, and the question <laughs> is, should yeah. we? Um, right. I think that that's, that's all, and I think that's all I would say is that, like, for anybody innovating in tech and AI and whatever, like, there's just that moment of pause where you can just ask yourself, like, what are the potential unintended consequences that can happen yeah. as a result of this thing? And have I tested it to the extent to which we would find those consequences out? Um, and then I guess the second thing is like, is this, and I, I don't know if this is for each individual tech founder to ask themselves this question, but is this something we we, we like, we want? And I mean, that's yeah. more of a societal question. So I, I don't know. I have yeah. no official way that I think that should happen. I just think that that is almost gonna come up in every discussion. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Okay, one other quick update. I'll, I'll keep mm. this quick because we want to get into our main one. But I watched a very interesting talk by um, uh, Michael Levin, who is kind of involved in biology, like somewhere between biology and AI, and and right. like, um, and it was a little mind blowing, like, 
because I'm not super familiar with biology and like how, how some of that works, but uh, the general theme, if I can try to sum it up, is that uh, intelligence takes on a lot of different forms, even in biolo biological systems. So like when an axolotl regenerates its tail, that is a form of intelligence. And like the, sure. the boundary between uh, cells that think and cells that don't think is actually way like not there. There is no boundary. Like they, they are all thinking in a sense. Yeah. Where, where like the brain is specialized to only think maybe or whatever that, you know, distinction is. But there, there's actually like many different levels of thinking and just kind of the way like you'd have to watch the whole thing to like well and i have to watch it again to actually well, uh, digest some of it but like basically it was like there's different tiers of thought and there's like not a firm boundary in between them in a sense yeah i um, think what you're describing is just all forms of learning so yeah. there's like the biological learning or the learning that's involved in regenerating legs or whatever. There's learning yeah. that the, the brain happens to do, which is like the little, you know, the whole, yeah. the biology 101 stuff or 110, whatever anyone took with the little dendrites and the axons and the action potentials and the little chemicals being released and whatever. Um, yeah. I'm reading, I probably will have something to add to this like later on, but I'm reading right now uh, A Thousand Brains by Jeff Hawkins, which is a new okay. theory of intelligence, which basically describes intelligence, like it describes the brain and how yeah. a model of how it works in a way that is different than I've heard of before. And I studied psychology as part of my undergrad. It's basically right. like, oh, also reiterating, we don't really know much about how the brain works, but um, it's sort of like a layers upon layers of like, adaptation and learning um, right. that part parts become specialized when they're connected to certain parts like eyes and ears yeah. and stuff like that um, yeah. but anyway it gets sort of differentiated based on specific types of use but the basic underlying structure is like always the same i guess and that right. equates to intelligence i guess so right anyway i'm only about a quarter done so i'll report back yeah, I mean, there are some really interesting examples of things that I wouldn't have thought would be possible <laughs> right now. Like, basically, they they took a tadpole and essentially induced an eye on the tail and removed the... <laughs> the <clears throat> which is, like, bizarre. Like, the, the way they're... Like, it, it probably does touch into this, like, we can, but we should we be doing this sort of thing? But anyway, what they did is they they induced like they created this tadpole with an eye on its tail. The the uh, the connection like it actually connected to the spine. The fish could see with that eye on its tail. Like the the cells self organized in a way that it became a functional eye, not in like in basically real time as it was growing right it, it found a connection and became functional which is like yeah there, right. there's a bu bunch of other examples too but uh it's a it was a very very interesting talk so um okay. yeah i i could could go on all day about it so um but well let's come back to that one <laughs> we'll come back to it um, okay so yes yeah. on to the topic of the day yeah, so we were we we thought we'd talk about radicalization, which is uh, 
I've been a little nervous to take on because it's like uh, coming up with concrete examples feels like a minefield in a little a little bit. Uh, but one like high level point that I wanted to bring up is like I feel like there's a lot of talk about polarization, which seems like a safer way to say the same thing in that like, oh, we're becoming more polarized it's kind of a way of saying everyone's wrong in a sense <laughs> you, mm. rather than radicalization i think is more saying like when a person comes to some viewpoint that is way outside the status quo how do we how do we interact with them like what do we do if that's our point of view or you know like that we're outside the status quo and um so i I will probably try to steer this t more towards radicalization rather than polarization because I think that's a different topic in a sense. Um, if that if that makes sense. Okay, that's um, fine with me. So the definition again. So polarization is just people who disagree and have strong opinions. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And radicalization is that okay? There's status quo, sort of like a societal expectations of things we all kind of agree on, and yeah. a group of people is highly opposed to that in some way that threatens the status quo. Yeah. Okay. Yes, and and so for today, I think like. As I was doing reading, I was like, I'm trying to hone in on this idea because I don't think it's it's not really polarization and it's not really violent extremism, which is kind of what you get a lot of when you read about this. Like most oh, yeah. people are concerned with how it uh, like um, it manifests as, you know, uh, in violent extremism, which I like, like terrorism. Yeah, yeah, stuff like mm. that. Like, and I kind of wanted to find this like middle spot where a middle ground for radicalization. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. This this point that's like because I think the like the the places it comes up in in our lives mostly. Like, I th I feel like polarization and violent extremism is a thing that happens on the news right a thing that we can we see in the world but from in another a very, part of the world it from, a, affect our from lives. a very yeah from yeah. a distance oh, yeah. where i think most like, people a lot of times <laughs> when we like when someone in our own lives comes out with a point of view that's like very different than we've experienced or the, like that's more of the radicalization that i'm thinking of yeah, um, it's like when somebody yeah. that you have known for a while, I don't know that I really know that this happened to me, but I've heard of other people telling me these stories that known a person for a long time, and then suddenly that person is going to things and doing things that are like, really seems like they've been a little bit, I don't know, brainwashed or, or yeah. like, like kind of uh, influenced um, to do things that are completely out of character for what you would guessed that their belief system was or whatever you know like it would it's just surprising and seems to be like heavily under the influence of another thinking of another group right. um and uh and i think that has happened to a lot of people um yeah. in the past few years especially um this parts that surprise you i guess um, yeah yeah 
Yeah, so that was where, so my first link was a Government of Canada website basically talking about this. And like it was where I kind of honed in on this. Like I'm not so much concerned. I am concerned about violent extremism, sure. But (laughs) it's not not a direct, um, it's not something I come in contact with really. Mm -hmm. Um, And it seems a little different, I would say, than, than the like what you're talking about that person that you're like oh why are they doing this why are they part of this group what are they you know like stuff like that mm-hmm. um and then there was another paper the unesco one that i linked uh basically talking about um how, how it affects maybe affects youth more dramatically in that like when you're in your formative years you have less and I don't know from personal experience I don't know uh, that I completely believe this um, because I think some people as they get older become more susceptible to uh, (laughs) this Mm -hmm. kind of thing I'm I'm not not really sure but I think it is different when a young person becomes radicalized than when an older person does because a young person yeah their identity seeking when they're younger. I remember when I was younger, this is such a trivial thing, but I like changed my handwriting multiple times. Okay. I don't know what I thought that said about me. <laughs> I did too. Okay, that's, that's I, weird. Maybe that's like I, I a did not thing. know that about Maybe okay. it is, yeah. Okay. Uh, but yeah, no, maybe we're just like too embarrassed to admit it. We have to ask the others. <laughs> Question the others. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess I just felt like, ooh, I don't know. That's not really me. You know, it's not really me. And now yeah. I'm like, I got no time to care about that, about what makes me, me, right? It's just right. doesn't, it's just, you just act more. And I, and I think that there is a psychological thing where when you're a certain age, you are forming your identity. It's like extreme individualization. And I think right. also three-year-olds go through that as my son just went through that. It's like, I oh. do it, me, I, me. <laughs> so they're right. insanely self-absorbed. And right. ins- and same thing happens when they're like a teenager. So get ready, I guess, uh, for you. <laughs> um, yep. Uh, it, you know, and, and I think it's just a natural part of getting older. But I think that extreme self-absorption and identity seeking is what, because um, people are looking for a group identity is sometimes part of that as much as an individual identity is. So I can definitely see a psychological argument for people at a certain age being more likely to be radicalized. Yeah, and even thinking back to my own teenage years, I, I like I can definitely uh, have a little more context, like uh, uh, self awareness about why adults around me were concerned or <laughs> stuff like that. Like, <laughs> like at the time, you're like, I want to be free. Like, I, I, I am my own person, and I'm gonna uh, express my identity however sure. I feel like. Right. Whereas, like, I think. Uh, and it doesn't really make sense when people react to that with like fear or like concern. You're like, what are you worried about? I'm just becoming my own person. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I got yeah. this. I got it. And, and so I think like it's important to keep that in mind when thinking about this. Like, is, um, yeah, are these things just expressions of self identity or are they, um, are they likely to drive you to Action. actions, you know, <laughs> which is, yeah. 
All uh, good points. All, all good points. Um, <laughs> uh, let's. So, so just looking at mine our is yeah. Yeah, mine is the next kind of article, and I became kind of like low-key obsessed to determine some kind of correlation or causation between the internet and radicalization. Because I'm thinking radicalization has a very strong group um, flavor. People, individuals are not usually radicalized by themselves. Even, you know, the sort of people who end up being radicalized in their basement are influenced by other human beings. Okay, now here's the AI angle. Maybe, you know, robots will be influencing people to do a certain actions. Right. That is upside this conversation, I think, for the moment. Um, but I was like, to what extent has the internet made uh, the conditions necessary or, you know, sufficient conditions for people to become more likely to be radicalized? If people are more lonely and isolated in their homes, are they more likely to be radicalized? I think the conclusion that I came to is that, like radicalization the internet component of it just allows people with similar interests to find each other more easily and that's true in any context so you can find people who are nerding out on the smallest most minute thing in very benign ways and you can also find people who agree with you on some niche issue that you are likely to then become radicalized because you agree with them so strongly. They, you can right. find them on the internet because it just connects more people. That's just how it is. Um, the other sort of question that this study was asking is that the internet acts as an echo chamber. So, And this research also suggests that when it comes to extremism and finding other people, it's just more easy to find other people. But there is a little bit of an echo chamber effect because people just all seem to agree with you. Um, And you're not getting that fact checked by others outside of your group. Um, So the the study then asked, does it accelerate radicalization? And they said basically no, that there's no, um, they're not seeing an effect of like the internet being able to speed up the process or make it faster, real pathway to it. It's just that people become radicalized at the same rate, I guess, as they would before. It's just that they're more interconnected. Right. Um, and the other thing is, so it's, does it allow it to occur without physical contact? So pretty much they said no, that there is usually a physical contact element. So there's like an in-person contact. So it's right. not a substitute for in-person meetings. In-person meeting happened after you meet people online and then you show up to the in-person meetings and then that sort of like stayed phase two or whatever of your, I don't know, there's probably someone's come up with real phases. So, right. Um, and does it increase opportunities for self-radicalization? So to, you know, like, I wanna be making a statement about me. And it said, basically, no, that's not what they said either. So so really all I'm seeing here is like, what, what I think about the internet and radicalization from this is that there's just an effect where people are just more likely to find niche stuff that they're interested in. And that includes right. um, vulnerable people, <laughs> right. uh, people who indicate certain things about themselves in certain ways that there's like sort of this massive sets of data out there and then people can like actually find those people. So there's definitely an opportunity to find people who would be radicalized um, and then to influence them because you can be connected with anyone anywhere, anytime. Um, but then there's usually always a component of going offline, um, right. even with this. So it's not just all happening online. Okay, that's where I'm going to stop with that one. Yeah, so a couple things there. Like, um, I think the in-person thing is important uh, for bringing people to action. Like, I think often, like, 
when we see when we think of radicalization on the internet often it is just trolls like people people say like spouting uh crazy opinions without actually taking any action on that Hmm. and i think that's different than uh when you have a group organizing and getting it together in person that that's probably more likely to have some goal of action right like to actually stand stick by like these are more deeply held beliefs probably than the person making random comments on on a video or on a whatever you know like uh yeah so yes i think that's that's an important distinction um but i also think like um like is this uh so i'm trying to figure out whether this is a different phenomenon or the same phenomenon as just the the idea that you find people with similar interests and uh associate with them like uh spend Hmm. time um like is that because i feel like when you if you call something radicalization it's not just like some niche nerd corner of the internet where you're all geeking out about the same thing it's it's more of um it's more of a thing that like more of a social phenomenon that is likely to affect your life but you know maybe that's not a good distinction either because you know like those groups maybe affect your life as well you know you and uh like going to comic-con is that a radicalization (laughs) right like um depends on who you ask you're associating with people that are like you know out of the mainstream uh you know and almost any kind of like fan group or whatever is like is there a difference um like do we just tight label it radicalization when it's something that is likely to have negative social effects in the world okay so here's a layer that might or may not help so I was thinking about the motivation for seeking out things uh, right. because seeking out a group where then you go to Comic-Con together um, is um, a kind of behavior that is going to stem out of a desire to connect with other human beings and be seen and understood and valued and part of a community. This is a human thing that everyone needs right. and everyone has the right to. Seeking out a community online that then is a radical community is based on, I'm going to say this, is based on anger, which is probably based on fear. Right. Um, there's a motivation to um, that. The, I think the motivation is that you are under threat and you must uh, upend the status quo to eliminate the threat right is that a fair assumption you think so that there's yeah there is an existential sort of crisis of self going on in order to be radicalized so you can't you're not seeking out belonging um like the kid who goes to comic-con right um 
It's like, I'm feeling lonely, so I'm going to find a friend, which is like, excellent. That's what we all should do. It's that I am being persecuted or uh, my rights aren't being, you know, protected or um, the current system is somehow not serving me and it must be changed through means that are not voting. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, And so that's coming out of a very different, um, so your physical makeup of your body and your emotional state when entering into it is different. Right. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think there is an important part of it that is motivated by, um, by like you said, anger and fear, and uh, and the 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 makeup of those groups is likely uh, very different in that they're uh, uniting around one person that has a proposed solution, a person mm-hmm. that's that's hijacking that fear or whatever, and um, yeah, and taking taking ownership of that saying like i'm leading this group i into... alone can fix it <laughs> yes yeah I'm sorry so, for that like... reference <laughs> <laughs> it felt right now it feels wrong <laughs> no but it, it like yeah it is it is a uh important component like where i i think you're right in but also to come back like in a sense most most niche communities also have like people that are spearheading or like are the thought leaders or the uh the community like figurehead center point or or even a tv show or uh whatever uh music or whatever whatever the group is uh gathering around or aligning themselves to um but yeah, I think I think the motivation of the the leader and the individuals is probably a significant factor in that. Yeah, um, well, sure, yeah. because there's going to be like the famous people in all those equations, like the right. Um, but it's what they're proposing, I guess, right. is the problem. <laughs> yeah, well, and like, so the 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 thing I want to wanted to come to is like a little better definition because I think like a it's not always bad like our countries are founded on radical movements that have you know at the at oh. the time right and I think saying we won't accept anything but the status quo is nuts like we should right. not accept that because um, right. it's like if radicalized groups are ones that operate outside of the status quo um, good because some groups need to challenge the status quo and society needs to evolve i think yeah like feminism (laughs) (laughs) absolutely yeah i totally agree um so yes it's not always bad but i i think there are groups that that hijack that idea of like it's not always bad to basically say to like to basically say, if there's anyone in your life that doesn't understand what you're like, what we're saying, what our what our group is all about, they are 
the status quo and they don't understand and you could ignore them um which i think is right. dangerous like i think it's sure. very dangerous when a group says just ignore the status quo or just ignore what concerned people in your life say <laughs> uh, that's a red flag yes uh <laughs> i think <laughs> if it's like yes. if someone's saying to ignore you know the those feelings the feelings inside of you and the things that other people are saying to you this reminds yeah. me of did you watch the or did you listen to the um uncover nexium it's a cbc podcast um uh, and it's just no. the, the story of like the uh the n- sort of nexium scandal and what went down there but it was just like right. all of those red flags like when you're getting tattooed the name of right. the founder of the cult <laughs> on you then you're maybe like thinking huh where did i go wrong here yeah. um but yeah like it's when they, those sorts of things seek to alienate you from the people who would give you warnings that um well that's weird you know so then they're yeah. like well those people cannot be trusted they are right. wrong you have to get them out of your life because they are a bad influence like you need to ask what their motivation is for telling you that right yes i agree uh so I, we can there's way too much here to cover i think <laughs> there's I think so we much have to wrap it up at some point yeah. um, um i i think we've done a, a good service to the topic though even yeah. though it is a tricky like you said it's a bit of a minefield but i think it's when we talk about like the internet and people's use of the internet uh, this is going to be something that a lot of people are thinking about is that has it led to more people becoming radicalized? Has it led to increasing radicalization or polarization, I guess you could say, in society? Um, And I don't know, like, what are the impacts, I guess, that it's having on that kind of behavior? Right. Yeah, so absolutely. Like one, so one thing I wanted to just shout out, and maybe we'll come back to this one, is that like, how it ties to propaganda because I think propaganda is like uh, it's one of these weird words that's basically like if if there's an effective communication that we don't agree with or that's spread has misinformation or whatever we call that propaganda but if it, like if, if it's a effective media like a lot of the same uh, attributes can be assigned to uh, journalism as to or or uh corporate communication or any kind of communication as we assign to brand building or whatever like yeah yeah i think it's kind of yeah i think that one can merit its own discussion okay cool Mm -hmm. um any any final thoughts or you think that you think we've uh totally not, solved radicalization or uh not even close <laughs> i think uh i think we should have to leave it there today um okay. yeah i think we've done we've done enough on the topic for today so um okay we can definitely come back to it but all of this like this sort of information via the internet is something that we can also i think what we've been talking talking about today is the transformation of people's attitudes and then influencing their actions i think um, the sort of like information wars <laughs> which yeah. requires another episode. So yay, <laughs> watch for that. Yeah. So yeah, takeaway is uh, if you are tempted to uh, 
to radicalize other people or <laughs> think hard about it, about yeah, motivations. No. And <laughs> uh, yeah, how are you feeling and how are others feeling when yeah. they're like, go back to that sort of emotional quality. I think um, if you're doing it out of a sense of injustice and challenging the status quo because you think this really is just wrong and this is not, you know, this double standards and all this kind of stuff, then, you know, yeah. please use channels to voice and to change that opinion yeah um but if you are believing that you are and nobody understands you and that um the, i don't know if it's coming from that deep-seated feeling of anger and sort of that churning feeling in your stomach that just yeah. says like yeah then that's a i think that's something to examine a little yeah. bit more closely and unpick before action occurs yeah good points all good points mm. okay <laughs> awesome well. thanks heather we'll uh talk to you next week yeah sounds good all right bye thank you for listening to hear all our episodes search for human v robot wherever you find your podcasts